I want to thank uh, God for today's. Last week I was not feeling okay. So I stayed home for three days. And then on Friday, close to Sabbath opening, I was pondering how to prepare for a sermon. I was very tired. Then as I took my laptop and the, the books I put together, I, I knelt and I prayed, say, you know, Lord, I have to preach. But I don't have anything and I feel weak. As I sat on the laptop, things just were coming in. Easy. So it convicted me that whenever we are given duty to stand here, Jesus is the one who is the main actor of everything. So today we want to talk about personal duty. And why we need to talk about personal duty. 1800, when they passed Sunday legislation, there are some factors which made God to withhold that event. One of them was that the church did not receive the message of righteousness by faith. So God has to give this planet another time and the church another time so that we can accept the message. And the second thing is that the religious world was not in full yoke together to join hand with the papacy. So those are some of the factors that God gave us another more time so we can accept the message. But today, as we see, last year, all the churches or all the religious bodies have joined in the ecumenism. Now, if all the religious bodies have joined ecumenism, then what will they enforce? You know about that. All the churches, all the Muslims have come together. And all of them are embracing Catholicism. Now, last week I was watching one of the events which took place in my country, and they were conorating one of the uh, Lutheran pastor. And the head of the Lutheran pastor in my, uh, uh, in my country, he wear everything like the papers, except the color of the clothes. He wear red. But all the mitre, all everything, even the rod that he, he care, is uh, identical to the Catholicism. PX, even when he turn, when you look at his back, is everything like the purpose. So, the religious body are coming together. And this unity that they signed last year, seven, uh, 2017, they are heading to enforce Sunday legislation. So today we want to talk about personal duty. And in Matthew 25, verse 3, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Verse 8, And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go in rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. These are two groups of Christians traveling together the road to heaven. But it comes to a time whereby those people who have got no personal preparation, a friend, 
A church member cannot help you. Great controversy. We will spend time today in this book. Great controversy, page 393 to 394. The coming of Christ, as announced by the first angel message, was understood to be represented by the coming of the bridegroom. The widespread reformation under the proclamation of his soon coming answered to the going forth of the virgins. In this parable, as in that of Matthew 24, two classes are represented. All had taken their lamps, the Bible, and by its light has gone forth to meet the bridegroom. But while they that were foolish took their lamps, the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. The latter class had received the grace of God, the regenerating enlightenment power of the Holy Spirit, which renders his word a lamp to the feet and the light to the path. In the fear of God, they had studied the scripture to learn the truth and had any sort for purity of heart and life. There is no bad that can help somebody to regenerate Christian character except his personal duty, personal searching, personal understanding of the word of God and personal God-seeking. Because as we are going to see, this particular group of people, somewhere will waver. This had a personal experience, a faith in God and in his word, which could not be overthrown by disappointment and delay. And one of the greatest problems today on the Protestant and the Christian churches, people, they don't want to hear a message of disappointment. People, they want applause, entertainment, something which everybody comes around it, something which everybody see it in a positive manner. This is the greatest problem. In this journey, as we are traveling, there is disappointment, there is pain, there is being laughed to. People see somebody or me or somebody as somebody who is out of mind. This is the way that when you look, Moses went through. He left the beauty of Egypt. Elijah, John, Daniel, all they went through this. But, another light. They had depended upon the faith of their brethren. They have been in the church. They profess Jesus Christ to be their Lord, but they depend on faith of their brethren. Sanctify with their flickering light of good emotions without a thorough understanding of the truth or genuine work of grace in the heart. This had a personal... Wait. Something wrong. But this had gone forth to meet the Lord full of hope in the prospect of imminent reward, but they were not prepared for delay and disappointment. When trials came, their faith fell, and their lights burned deep. Trials, persecution, all kind of problem. Then, 
No one can stand on somebody's idea or somebody's experience. Everybody has to stand person. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Now, when I was trying to find out how did they slumber, the thing is that while the foolish were at rest completely, the wise were still searching themselves and seeking God secretly. They were doing personal duty to approach Jesus and have experience with God personally. By the trying, by the tearing of the bridegroom, is represented the passing of the time when the Lord was expected. The, the disappointment and the seeming delay in this time of uncertainty, the interest of the superficial and half-hearted soon began to waver, and the effort to relax. But those whose faith was based on the personal knowledge of the Bible had a rock beneath their feet. Which the wave of disappointment could not wash away. They all slumbered and slept. One class in unconcern. Relaxing, totally relaxing. Worried of nothing. While the others were still having something personal. Going on within themselves. Try to, 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 to ask personal questions and seek God privately. They all slumbered and slept. One class in their concern and abandon of their faith. The other class patiently waiting till clear light should be given. Whom are they waiting to? They are waiting of only Jesus to show them what they are supposed to do. And in this particular time where we are living, brothers and sisters, is only God and the Bible who can tell his people what is the next step. Rushing Emotions? You remember when the children of Israel, after destroying the city of Jericho, they had a self-confidence. They were much toward AI, thinking in the small city. You know what happened. Where we are today, in our journey to heaven, emotions, somebody's idea, is only the Bible, and God can speak to people. What is the next step? Yet in the night of trial, the letter seems to lose to some extent their zeal and devotion. The half-hearted and superficial could no longer lean upon the faith of their brethren. Each must stand or fall for himself. And when you say each must stand or fall for himself, you will stand by yourself. The other one who is beside you is Jesus. Now, if you don't have experience with Jesus, or I don't have experience with Jesus, he will be nowhere to be found. And in this particular time, it's not a time to develop experience with Jesus. It is now. When trials come, persecution comes, everybody will be alone. We may be together as a group, even in jail, but everybody will be called personally. The pain in the heart, the trials and the pressure within our heart will be individual. It will not be uh, collectively. About this time, fanatism began to appear. Some who had professed to be zealous believers in the message rejected the word of God as the one infallible guide and claiming to be led by the Spirit gave themselves up to the control of their own feelings, impression, and imaginations. 
There were some who manifested a blind and begotten zeal, denouncing all who will not stand, will not sanction their cause. Their fanatical ideas and exercises met with no sympathy from the great body of Adventism. This is talking about what happened in 1844. They were disappointed. There were hundreds of thousands of people, but only a few remained. When the pain and the people laughed too, only a few remained and they cling to Jesus Christ. And through that small group of people, today we have a church that is worldwide. Yet, they serve to bring reproach upon the cause of truth. Now, I want to talk about commenting on the present attitude of professed Christian toward the world. Now, let's talk about our time today. What is going on within Christianity? What is going on within the ranks of Protestantism? Who profess the Bible and the Bible alone to be the guide and rule of faith? And see if majority of people, what are they thinking about? Great Controversy, page 385. As the Christian religions secure the favor and support of secular rulers, it was no more accepted by multitudes. But while in appearance Christian men remain in Substance paganism, especially worshipping in secret the idols. Here is the problem. Has not the same process been repeated in nearly every church calling it itself Protestantism? As the founder, those who possess the truth spirit of reform pass away, their descendants came forward and new model the cause while blinding clinging to the creed of their fathers and refused to accept any truth in advance of what they saw. So the founders pass away. The followers come. They don't search anything further. They stay there. And let me add something. They don't even stand there. They start to go backward. They start from moving from Christianity. They're heading toward Christian idolatry, which is the same as paganism. The children of the reformers depend widely from the example of the humility, self-denial, and the renunciation of the world. Thus the first simplicity disappear. A world flood flowing in the church, carried with it, it is customs, practice, and idols. Now here is the problem. A profession of religious has become popular with the world rulers, politicians, lawyers, I'm uh, here, it doesn't mean that uh, all the lawyers, but it means that uh, the church is gaining favor with the world. But as the church is coming toward the world, the church is losing its purity. Its purity is disappearing. And as these people, all groups, the government is coming in, the church is sinking. Merchants join the church as a means of securing the respect and the confidence of society. And they are advancing their own worldly interests. Thus, they seek to cover all the unrighteous transactions and a profession of Christianity. And let me add something from this. Let me tell you something. We have to be very careful with the World Church of Cancer. We have to be very careful with ecumenism. 
any kind of unity, any kind of organization that put away Jesus Christ, that tried to remove the Bible and the Bible alone and the principle of Christ. It may look good. Theologian may support it. It may look to be something which is good to people. But it is poison. It's deadly. If Jesus is not there, whether the world try to favor it and uplift it, we shouldn't come close to it. We shouldn't even think to, to try to make any agreement with them. The various religious bodies reinforced by the wealthy and influence of these baptized worldlings make a still higher bid for popularity and patronage. Splendid churches embellishing in the most extravagant manner are erected in the popular avenues. The worshippers array themselves in a costly and fashionable attire. When I was watching this week, I, I, I saw, I thought I said, I saw this is the purpose. This is the purpose. When you look at that leader of the Lutheran church in my country, there is no difference from the purpose except he wear red and the purple wear white. Only that's the difference. Everything is, all the symbols, everything. I'm not judging, but I'm showing the facts. Amen. Where is the Christian church standing today? If Martin Luther will be resurrected today and see his church, Johnny Knox, the Anglican church, people who study with the Bible and the Bible alone, when the church of England issued the printing of the King James and the King James, when the Bible was given because of the English people, if those founders will resurrect today, what will they see? A high salary is paid for a talented minister to entertain and attract the people. His sermon must not touch popular sins, but he but be made smooth and pleasing for fashionable ears. Thus, fashionable sinners are enrolled on the church's records, and fashionable sins are concealed under pretense of godliness. You see, the church wants the leadership that will leave them to do whatever they want. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, in this journey, Christian journey, Every day when we see Jesus, his face has grace and mercy and love. But he always tells us, don't do that. Don't do that. That's a Christian journey. And we will be in this particular journey until one day we'll be translated. But as long as we're in this life, we have to be rebuked by Jesus. The Bible says, those whom I love, I do what? I chastise and rebuke. If you don't want to be rebuked, if you don't want to, to, to be told to be offended, then this road is not yours. This is the road of being rebuked. Offense. But Jesus has not yet given up our lives. And if we rebuke us in love, which means he still wants us to look at him and be saved. This is not a, a, a angry or a wrathful rebuke. This is a love, kind, tender-hearted, the Redeemer is calling to the sinner to look at him 
and see ourselves how weak we are and be transformed. Commenting on the present attitude of Christianity toward the world, this is one of the writer in 1800 wrote, insensibly, the church has yielded to the spirit of the age and adapted its form of worship to the to modern ones. All things indeed that help to make religious attractive, the church now employ as it is instrument. Let's bring in drums. Let's bring in praise worship. People, they don't sing hymnals anymore. I've been in the churches where hymnals are not sung. And if you pick a song for people to sing, you can tell people are not aware of the song. And I will urge, I will tell my church, this is the time to go back to the spirit of the reformers. These songs were composed during reformation. And this lady, you know about her, Franz Crosby. She was blind, but she composed many, many songs. Somebody who is blind, if not by the Spirit of God, cannot compose the songs which she did compose. I'm just giving example of her and the others. That today, the church is, is trying to attract people to come in. But in its own way. It is only on Christ's way. Yes, they are trying to bring people in. But on people's agendas, not on Jesus' principle of denying yourself and take a cross and follow me. It is that you come as you are and don't worry about it. As long as you accept him as a personal savior, you're good. This is a cheap Christianity. And this cheap Christianity has got no way at all before Jesus present. All things indeed that help to make religious attractive the church now employ as it is instruments. The line of separation between the godly and the irreligious fades out in a kind of penumbra. And the zealous men on both sides are told to obliterate all difference between their modes of action and enjoyment. Let me pause there. When the religious organization sign up ecumenism, what is the motive behind it? When people, they say, let's come together. After all, we don't have many, we don't have too much different. What does he try to, to make? He tried to neutralize. We are trying to, to, to bring harmony between the world and the church. And Martin Luther once said, you cannot stand between Jesus and Satan. You cannot try to stand between these two giants and try to make a compromise. You can't. You stand either beside Jesus, or behind Jesus, or behind Satan. If you stand between them, you'll be crushed and nothing will be left. We cannot compromise. We cannot bring harmony between Christianity, true faith, true Christian Bible people, and the world. The popularity of religious tends vast to increase. The number of those who would secure its benefit will squarely meet its duty. 
It is a matter of deep concern that we find Christ's church so little fulfill the designs of its Lord. This is a great controversy. And I'll say to you, brothers and sisters, we need to read this book. We need to read this book again and again and again. This book, we have to read this. We have to read the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. And we have to pray God to give us clear and divine understanding of what is written in this book and the Bible. Because in this one, God has given us a light to lead us until we see Jesus come on the cloud. Just as the ancient Jews let a familiar intercourse with the idolatrous nations, steal away their hearts from God. So the church of Jesus now is by its false partnership with the unbelieving world giving up the divine methods of its true life and yielding itself to the pernicious thought, though often a plausible habit of a Christless society, using the argument and reaching the conclusion which are foreign to the revelation of God and directly antagonistic to all growing in grace. This is what is happening. And look at the Christian churches. What is happening? Look, you, you see, it is, seems like going to church is a fashion, I tell you. Being in the church without a real change of heart. And in Christianity, people are willing to stay in the church without seeking a personal change of the heart because it has a cross to bear. It has pain. You will be put aside by your friend. You will be loved to. You see, one day, that was in 2014. I used to work in Aurora. I used to drive a tomboat in the company. And one day my boss said, you know what? I want to take you outside today. So what do you mean take me outside today? He said, man, yeah. You stay home every time. Today we'll take you downtown. We're going to buy everything you need. I say, <laughs> we can work together here and talk and laugh. But me going outside to sit or whatever, it will not happen. I say, no, that's not your problem. We'll take care of everything. I say, even if you take care of everything, but I don't go out. I just don't go out. I'm not saying that going out is the problem. But sometimes we have to be very careful of how, where we are and what we are doing. Using the argument and reaching the conclusion which are foreign to the revelation of God and directly antagonistic to all grace. I'm going to close with two verses. Two verses that I'm going to close. Which are very important to our lives. This road is the road that is for people who deny themselves. And when they deny themselves, they seek Jesus for help. Because once I recognize that I'm a sinner, who can save me? Not myself. I look to Jesus and to Jesus alone. And I tell Jesus, here I am. I have nothing to offer. But I have this filth heart. You can change it. Help me to change it. This is the road that when you look all the patriarch and prophets, the children of Israel, we are walking on the wilderness. 
as weak as feeble as how they are. And God was with them passionately, but he rebuked them. Not in wrathful, but in long suffering and patience and love to bring them back to himself. John, first John, chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If when a man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Today, this morning we had in the quarter that we cannot be in the both sides. It can't be. We can't be together with any kind of association that will remove Jesus Christ and say that we are going to heaven. It can't happen. For all that is in the world, the last of flesh and the last of the eyes, this morning we talk about how and I was very happy when Brother Pete say all what we worry is about job, houses, and degrees and education. I'm not saying that they are bad thing, but when we put interest on what is here today, and we're ready to sacrifice our eternity, then we're on the dangerous ground. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. We cannot be on the boss side. Two more verses. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. This is Jesus speaking. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and the broader is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there are be which go in the right. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth into life, and few there be that find it. In this journey, friendship is not bad, but friendship comes to a time where bad. I stand personal before God. I have a personal duty to fulfill before God. I have a personal duty that nobody else is required. And the only one who can tell God of my weakness is me, personally. And the only one who can understand how I'm struggling with particular weakness, particular sin, is Jesus. And the only one who can help me to move, to get out of that, this problem is Jesus. It's not somebody else. We have a Savior who hears people individually and who understands their personal weakness. Last time I read a quote here that Jesus in the quote above, he knows all the weakness, all the problems, all the, the, the issues that his church is going through this planet. He understands it full. He is aware of it. And everything, he has he got it in control. But who can come to Jesus is you personal. When we come to church here, we come to worship. But during the week, we have time to reflect our life. 
and pray. And let me tell you this. Every day when I look at my life, I see more worse. And I go to Jesus every day. I see myself more worse. We need to take our sin to the sanctuary. They have to go there. So that when judgment comes, our sin is already all of them there. So Jesus can take care of them. We don't want to go to the judgment and then the sin comes behind us. That's bad. So we have a Savior who hears, who hears people, who understands our weakness, our problem, our difficulties, all the situation, he knows about it. Let's approach him humbly with prayer and supplication, trusting him and believing him. In Jesus' name, amen.